to Africa is the show that tables some of Africa's most pressing issues, explores the narrative that surrounds them, and links them back to Africa's reputational equity. Thank you for joining us on Africa Business Radio. We are live every Monday from 3 to 4 p.m. South African Standard Time. If you missed the show, you can catch it again on Thursdays and Fridays at the same time by going to africabusinessradio.com. We like to ask the questions... What is being said? Who is saying it? What is their agenda? And what will be the impact? ABR, Towards a Profitable Africa. Talking to Africa is the show that tables some of Africa's most pressing issues, explores the narrative that surrounds them, and links them back to Africa's reputational equity. Thank you for joining us on Africa Business Radio. We are live every Monday from 3 to 4 p.m. South African Standard Time. If you missed the show, you can catch it again on Thursdays and Fridays at the same time by going to africabusinessradio.com. We like to ask the questions... What is being said? Who is saying it? What is their agenda? And what will be the impact? ABR, Towards a Profitable Africa. Spells on the beat. Tiwa Savage on this one, yeah. Whiskey, do you want mama? Make it animal to tingle. This guarantee I never see you. My pressure, they high got me down. Whoa, whoa. My girl, hold on to me, yo. Never ever leave me for crash, oh, oh, oh. Girl, you they make me shiver, oh. Girl, if you leave us off, oh. With you again, no oh, allow. Oh. I want day with you forever, oh. Robos, get scared, robos, get scared. If no be you, then tell me who, oh. Them go sempe, them go sempe. Nobody messing with my boo. Robos, get scared, robos, get scared. If no be you, then tell me who, oh. Robos, get scared, robo, yes, scared. Nobody messing with my boo. My love, you give me love I never see you. My love, your love means so much to me. My love, you give me love I never see you. My love, your love means so much to me. No be what you do or what you say. My love is single, no be plural. Yeah, brother, no be mount, but my baba you be cool. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde. I feel when I'm rolling with you Number one, the African bad girl And the star boy, you know how we do Hello, hello, hello everyone It's a Wednesday and it's time for Egeria Africa The show that gives valuable and much needed information To the modern day businesswomen in Africa This show is for entrepreneurs, women in corporate And women in aspiring to get into business and it offers information on opportunities, mentorship and the ins and outs of running a business in Africa. We give actionable information and inspiration, expose and connect female entrepreneurs to opportunities like funding, new markets, collaborations and support systems across Africa. In South Africa here, it's Women's Month, so I just want to say Happy Women's Month to everyone in South Africa. Tomorrow is the official Women's Day, and it's a public holiday. I love those. Mm -hmm. I'm your host, Kudzai, and I have an exciting show lined up for you. I think you can feel the excitement, huh? Tiwa does that to me, guys. Eh? Tiwa just, we're trying to do, I think it's called a shaku shaku. (laughs) Or maybe we're just doing the wrong thing (laughs) We're like two left hands. We don't know what we were doing. Anyway, for the ABCs, we have, we're talking about why policy is important to know. 
um, for the business? Why do we even know need to know about policies? Who's doing the policies? Does it even matter for you as a businesswoman? And then we look into countries with policies that are friendly for women in business. Then for my interview today, I have Marcia Ashong and Tamsin Jones, who are joining us over the phone. They are the founders of the Boardroom Africa, which is a leading platform for boardroom-ready women in Africa. And to close it off with my tech and trends, I have African countries leading in the tech industry. Remember to always follow us on Twitter at Africa Biz Radio, like our Facebook page, Africa Business Radio, and use the hashtag EJeriaAfrica when you want to talk about what we're talking about in here. Stay tuned. Mwah, baby, you slapped out my heart, you And you load my account, you See, I no go come on to you My love, duh You give me love, I never see you My love, duh Your love means so, so much to me, yo My love, duh You give me love, I never see you My love, duh Your love means so, so much to me, yo Robos casca, robos casca. If no be you, then tell me who. Them go sempe, them go sempe. Nobody messing with my boo. Robos casca, robos casca. If no be you, then tell me who. Robos casca, robo yeske. Nobody messing with my boo. Welcome back to EJR Africa. Nobody's messing with my boo, and my boo is business, so no one's messing with my money. <laughs> this is how I think of it when I'm listening to this song. Like my boo is my business and my money. No one is messing with that. Don't come between me and my business. <laughs> anyway, guys, so I'm gonna dive right into. Um, Policy. Why is it important for us to know about policy? To us to for us to follow politics and governance and all those things um, as entrepreneurs. I know a lot of you guys will be thinking, "Oh my gosh, really? Are we going to talk about policy now?" Yes, girl, we're going to talk about policy right now. Um, as you know, last week Zimbabwe and Mali went to the polls to elect a new president. Um, the campaign message for the now president elect for Zimbabwe was Zimbabwe is open for business. So you see, there's like same WhatsApp group, policy and and business. Now I want to open your eyes to um, how it works, um, what it's all about, and what you need to know and why you need to know these things. I'll just give you like a brief. Nah? So governments establish many regulations and policies that actually guide business. We know that um, in parliament and through our governments, we have these laws that are created for us and that we use when we're doing business or, you know, when tax goes up and this and this. So it's important for us to actually follow what's going on um, in the political sphere of um, doing business. So there are rules like uh, minimum wages and other policies that may influence your business directly or indirectly. Businesses need to be flexible enough to respond to the changing rules and policies. So you need to, if you're keeping a close eye at um, the way things are done by your government or the new policies that are coming in, if they change the 
minimum wage allowed in your country, it affects you as a business owner because if you have, you know, workers that are manual laborers most of the time, manual laborers, you're looking at paying them a minimum wage. And if it goes up, that will affect your business and ultimately your bottom line. So I, um, this is true not only at a national le- level, but um, also locally. When you're looking at your municipalities, they have their own rules of doing business. When you go to one region, you know, the things might be different when you're doing business there than at at the next region because the head of it, the mayor or the municipality or whatever, that small governing board that's there has a different way of doing things. If I want to do business in the rural areas, the way I'm going to do it and the policies that I'm going to bump into are very quite, very different from when I'm doing it in an urban area because an urban area will have your mayor or so-and-so who's in charge of everything. And in a rural area, I'll need to maybe go talk to the chief or the king or whoever is in charge of that area. So this is a small brief of why you should keep your eyes open at what is going on. Now, number one, the government helps um, and it acts as a market catalyst, um, if you know what I'm trying to say. So the market responds to the laws that are being passed by the government Um, It can implement a policy that changes social behavior in the business environment. So if government decides that we're not going to, for example, we're not going to do carbon-based fuels anymore or we're going to go green as a country, that will affect how you do business because socially... Um, okay, let me use a very easy example. If government says we are cutting out plastic like they did, is it Kenya? I know it's an East African country. I'm not quite sure anymore. But there's a country that wants to phase out plastic bags. If you're in the retail industry, this will affect you directly because now you have to source another way of packaging your goods for your customers. So this is something that you should really um, keep an eye on. The government can underwrite the development of new technology And that will bring the necessary change needed for your business to grow or that could actually really affect your business. If you're running a print um, publication or old type media and government passes a law that data has to be cheaper or whatever needs to go down, that means that people are going to find it much easier for them to watch things online, watch news online, read online papers, and so on and so forth than they currently would be doing. And this will affect your bottom line as a print publication. Imposing on a particular sector more taxes taxes or duties than are necessary will make the investors lose interest in that sector. Similarly, Tax and duty exemptions on a particular sector trigger investment in it and may generate growth. So if there's a high tax rate on important goods, it may encourage local production of the same goods. On the other hand, a high tax rate for raw materials hampers domestic production. So we all know government controls the tax. Uh, Right now where, um, where I'm sitting in South Africa, VAT went up 1%, fuel went up because of some fuel taxes that they don't want to scrap, which I don't know why they don't want to scrap. And the general things around um, your goods, your transport costs, um, your food costs go up in response to that. And that affects you as a business because if you're in the delivery business, for example, or if you're in the transport industry, it's going to affect. Now you have to choose. Should I put up my prices for my customers or should I just you know, take um, less profit? 
Um, this, these are the things that you need to know and you need to constantly engage with government, especially when it comes to things like tax um, and import tax, especially if you're reliant on importing whatever it is that you're selling or a service that you give. It will affect you if the import tax goes up because if they want the things to be locally made and you rely on things from outside of the country for whatever reason it is, then it's going to affect you. Keep a close eye on that. The other quite obvious thing, guys, is political stability. We all know if a country's unstable, if a country's at war, it's bad for business. Well, depending on what kind of business you're in, I hope no one's in the arms business here because that would be good for you. But government policy will always depend on the political culture of the moment. Policy crafted in a politically stable country will be different from that formed in an unstable country. A stable political system can make business-friendly decisions that promote local businesses and attract foreign investors. Unstable systems present challenges that jeopardize the ability of government to maintain law and order. And this has a negative effect on the business environment. So if we're at war or if there's civil unrest or strikes popping up left, right, center, or, you know, people don't like their mayor. Hello, Pretoria. And they're damaging goods. It's not good for business. Who wants to open a shop in a place where people are rioting? I I know I don't. The other thing you should really keep a close eye on, which is also part of policy and which I feel like as Africans, we are just letting this one slide. I don't know what we have to do. Maybe we need to toy toy. Is to look at government spending. Governments get money from tax. So these government officials are not so special. They are public servants, which are paid by us when we pay tax, whether it's your income tax, your VAT. And don't say you don't pay tax because you're not employed or whatever. Everyone pays tax. When you're buying bread, you're paying tax. And that's the money that they use. Increased spending requires increased um, taxes or borrowing. Any tax increase will discourage investment, especially among entrepreneurs who take the risks of starting and managing businesses. Increased spending also eats into the limited pool of savings, leaving less money for private investment. Reduction in private investment shrinks production of goods and services, and that in turn may lead to the elimination of jobs. Now, did you see this whole, you know, when we're talking about government spending, it's just, oh, my, these ministers always buy big cars, but really sit down and think about what that means for your business. If government announces that it's buying chiefs' cars as part of their political campaign, how does that affect you as a business owner? Because they need to service that. They need to get money somewhere. So are they taking their money from the education department or are they going to increase taxes for you? What's going to happen for them to balance that? And if they increase tax, how is that affecting you as a business? The other very important thing that we should keep a very close eye on as business people when, with regards to government policy, ETC, is interest rates. Their policies directly influence interest rates at times, and a rise in the interest rates increases the cost of borrowing in the business community, in fact, for everyone. Higher rates also lead to decreased consumer spending. Lower interest rates, however, will attract investment as businesses increase production. The government can influence interest rates in the short run by printing more money. (laughs) 
Zimbabwe, hello, you know this all too well, <laughs> and which which might eventually lead to inflation. And businesses do not thrive when there is a high level of inflation, especially if people view your service or whatever you're offering as a luxury, then you're going to suffer the most. Because, you know, when things go up and people need to cut costs, the first things that they cut off, luxury goods. No more massage for your spa. No more people doing their hair regularly. No more people buying fast food. People rather cook at home. So that affects you directly. And if the interest rates go up and the cost of borrowing goes up, that means you're, you're going to have a hard time financing your business. Because most of us entrepreneurs need loans, whether it be from the bank or wherever you decide to source your loan. You will need to borrow money. And if the rates are up, it means you're going to pay back more money. And that is going to cost you an arm, a leg, a liver, all sorts of things. And the final thing that I want you guys to keep in mind is regulations. Trade regulations, to be specific. These and um, the requirements for permits or licenses have an effect on business. So if you're doing... um, say food business and they increase the number of permits that you need for you to run that business we know there are those health licenses that are common but if they wake up and think oh you know what we need a dustbin license what kind of dustbin are you using because maybe their friend started a dustbin business and they need that person to get more business so they make it the state provider or something like that it affects your business directly If they change trade regulations or if they increase the cost of a license or a permit, it'll affect your your business. Mm -hmm. Businesses might spend a lot of money and time time trying to comply with regulations that will ultimately prove prove themselves to be ineffective and unnecessary. And that's the worst thing. Like, you know, my 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 dustbin um, example, it might sound silly, but this happens in Africa. It's it happens. Oh, my guest just joined in. Hello. (laughs) It happens in Africa a lot where you get this new rule, regulation, a license that you need to get because someone along the line needs to be paid. So keep an eye on this. And you know what? Don't just keep an eye on it and keep quiet and say, oh, yeah, now I know there are these um, regulations that I knew that won't that will have a negative impact on our local business environment. You have to take it up with your municipality or whoever is in charge and confront them with this. As a business community, you have to have somewhere where you gather together and keep an eye on policy. And if government is putting unnecessary policy that will affect local businesses, especially if it's in favor for international investors, which I see our African governments also do a lot, they put um, laws and policies that affect our small businesses in favor of other big businesses or multinationals that want to invest. You have to talk to them about this. Lay down your case. Tell them we're watching you. We know what you're doing. So, guys, that's what I have in your ABCs. I hope policies have opened your mind to a new way of doing business. Remember, always think big. It doesn't matter how small your business is. Policy affects. You might be thinking, nah, I have a small clothing shop. And you're getting your clothes from abroad. Girl, if the import tax goes up, it's going to affect your business. So know these things. We're going to go on a quick, quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to give you something amazing for all those women who want to expand through the borders and do business out of their home country. I have a list of countries that are amazing 
and I have great policies for women in business. Stay tuned to Egeria Africa on Africa Business Radio. Business news. Business resources, economic analysis, market analysis from experts and industry leaders in African enterprise. Get more for a profitable African venture. Africa Business Radio, towards a profitable Africa. Business News. Back to Egeria Africa on Africa Business Radio. I'm your host, Kudzai, and we're getting into our second segment in today's show, which is our opportunities and mentorships. Now, I'm going to look at countries with the best policies for women business. We're all, we all hear this. Oh my gosh, we need to empower women. We need to give women more seats. We need to do this and that for women. But how many countries are actually going through with this? How many countries are actually doing something 
to ensure that women do get a seat at the table and they're not bullied while they're sitting there. Now, MasterCard Index for um, Women Entrepreneurs 2018 recently conducted a study on female entrepreneurship and African women came up on top. So we have the most um, entrepreneurs in the world. This is the home for female entrepreneurs in Africa. Well, Africa is. <laughs> as much as the world might see Africa as a dis- destination for aid and help, the truth on the ground is that women, African women to be specific, are focused and dedicated to running businesses. The MasterCard Index for Female Entrepreneurs looks at women's abilities to make use of the opportunities given to them through their local environment. It is based on knowledge and financial assets, women's advancement, and supporting entrepreneurial conditions. Ghana led the pack with the highest percentage of female entrepreneurs at 46.6%. And I'm excited because um, one of my guests is actually from there. So I'm going to pick her brains on this. Maybe she can give us like a one-on-one, like how it is to do business in Ghana. Because I'm I'm ready to go to Ghana after reading this. And um, this is something that can be very easily attributed to the policies being made by the Ghanaian government to improve doing business in the country. Um, the countries that we are going to take note of today are the ones that are on top. Hey, guys. So the ones with the most female entrepreneurs um, is Ghana, number one. And then it's followed by Uganda, which has 33.8% female entrepreneurs in the country. Then Botswana. South Africa, Nigeria, Ethiopia, and lastly, Malawi with 8%. Um, Women advancement outcomes. Now, this is women's progress and the degree of marginalization economically and professionally as business leaders, professionals, entrepreneurs, and labor force um, participants. So this is now countries that are trying to advance women in some way that have changed their policies to make it easier for women to advance. The first one is Nigeria, and then there's Botswana, Ghana, Uganda, South Africa, Ethiopia, and then Malawi. So guys, if that's what you're interested in, whether you know you want somewhere where you have a better chance at getting ahead, and you're ready to just pack your bags and go explore. These are the countries that um, you might want to look at. Now, if you're more interested in knowing countries that um, have better access to knowledge and financial assets, I'm going to do like top to bottom, so the best countries. So this gauges um, women's progress and degree of marginalization as financial customers and academically in terms of academic enrollment, as well as an indicator of women's ability to borrow or save for business purposes and support given for SMEs. Now, this is very important, a woman's ability to borrow and save. It might just seem like, you know, it's nothing. But remember, a lot of women can't get bank loans to support their businesses because they can't get their husband's signature because the husband bought the house or the husband owns the assets. So they can't use any of the assets um, as collateral without their husband's permission. And this is a very big setback for a lot of women who want to venture into business. But um, the countries that are doing the best, South Africa is doing great. Botswana is doing great. Um, Uganda, Nigeria, 
Ethiopia, and lastly, again, Malawi. And then finally, with the best um, entrepreneurial conditions. Now, I, I guess you're seeing now there's a pattern that's starting to form of more or less the same countries that keep coming up on top, you know, keep exchanging um, the number of where they are. If South Africa is at the top for um, access to borrowing, it might be number two when it comes to supporting entrepreneurial conditions and so forth and so on. So you have to really think about what it is that you're looking to do in the country. So if it's just overall, remember Ghana, number one. But with different things that are going on, if you want somewhere where you can do better as an entrepreneur, this is the list. There's Botswana at the top, followed by South Africa. The third is Ghana. Fourth, Uganda. Fifth, Malawi. Um, the sixth is Ethiopia. And lastly, it is Nigeria. So, ladies, these are the countries to look into if you want to expand, if you're tired of just all the problems that you're facing, maybe with in whatever country you are, but just because they're good for women to do business doesn't mean that they're good for foreign women to do business. So this is something that you must look into. What are their immigration laws like? And it doesn't mean you actually have to move there. You can set up your business there, stay there maybe for a while while you're getting things settled and go back home or, you know, stay at another location. But if you're thinking of doing business and you're thinking of a country that will support you as a female entrepreneur, these are the countries to look into. Now, I'm going to go on another quick break. And my guests today are already waiting for me. I'm so excited to have them. They are the founders of the Boardroom Africa. And I'll tell you more about that just in a bit when we come back from this break. Business News. Business resources, economic analysis, market analysis from experts and industry leaders in African enterprise. Get more for a profitable African venture. Africa Business Radio, towards a profitable Africa. I know see my dog. 
as you can see, we are leading them, everybody, to discover where journey is. Welcome back to Egeria Africa on Africa Business Radio. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Africa Biz Radio or like our Facebook page, Africa Business Radio, and always use the hashtag Egeria Africa. Now I have someone from the boardroom, Africa. We have Masha Ashong. Is Tamsin joining us today? I haven't. Tamsin is here. Yay. Yes, I'm right here. Yay. Hello. Hi. And Tamsin Jones, the founders of the Boardroom Africa, a leading network of boardroom-ready women across Africa. Both of these amazing women are passionate advocates of gender equality and business leaders in their own right. Through um, its marketplace platform, the Boardroom Africa connects um, development finance institutions, private equity funds, and corporations with peer-endorsed female candidates, the Boardroom Africa is ending the narrative that has so often encouraged excuses for not appointing women into the boardroom. With its groundbreaking methods, it aims to double the current levels of female board, re- board representation by 2028. Marsha is a global energy, oil and gas expert with experience spanning four continents and was named amongst Ghana's 20 under 40 business Mm. leaders in 2017. Tamshin is a social entrepreneur known for the design and development of successful high-impact new initiatives or investments, including Cape Town's acclaimed Workshop 17 and CDC Group's The Africa List. With both of these women at the forefront, the Boardroom Africa will help catapult Africa to become the world's top region for female leaders in Africa. I've I've never given this introduction on this show. I have never. (laughs) Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you so much. Your your introduction was so much fun to read. I, I felt like I was about to, you know, give people like a Nobel Peace Prize or like something amazing like that. You guys are doing such amazing work. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to join your listeners today and uh, talk about the work that we're doing. Okay, now I'm just going to jump straight into into it i have given our listeners what the boardroom africa is re is about but can you tell us what it is really about what your vision is for for um for the boardroom africa yes absolutely i think um in short and and to put it simply our goal is to increase the number of women represented on boards across the african region and we do this primarily because um 
you know, it, it is no, as of now, in 2018, it's no surprise um, the data out there that suggests that women are grossly underrepresented in leadership cadres. Mm-hmm. So our goal is effectively, you know, uh, be part of the solution to increase in the number of women in representation mm-hmm. because we believe, and it is also backed by strong data that um, diverse leadership teams, diverse boards create an environment where the business can thrive. So that's really where we're coming from. Okay. Now, you are two amazing women who got together and decided to work on this. Um, it's a power partnership, to be quite honest. Um, how did you guys meet and come to the decision of working together? I'll let Tamsin take that. Sure. <laughs> um, we first met a few years ago at the African Leadership Network event, and we were sitting in this discussion where women in the room were talking about the challenges that they had. And I think probably all the women listening will have this experience of thinking, well, I don't want to talk about this again. Like I want to do something. Mm -hmm. And so the first time we met was actually at a dinner of the first women's dinner at the African Leadership Network. And for those who don't know what the African Leadership Network is, it's a leading network of CEOs across Africa. About sort of snapped through to about a year later, Marcia called me and said, I've got this idea. Um, and it's really about transforming not the conversation, but practically delivering talent into boardrooms. And at the time I was working on the Africa list, I was spending time in, I was in Tanzania, and I'd just been meeting with the most extraordinary women, and they were telling me about not just the challenges of getting into the boardroom, but also their challenges of filling the shoes that they were in and feeling like they could be strong female leaders. And and, and part of what I was doing was encouraging that. So I just thought, wow, this is a brilliant um, approach. And over the, the coming, the last two years, we, we set about mapping our networks and mapping the network that other people know and finding these women, interviewing them, determining that they were board ready and through that process, um, we uncovered, we've uncovered 400 women across over 40 countries. And all of these women are exceptional. And we deliver them directly into the boardroom. So if, if a fund will come to us and say, we've got this opportunity, we're working for an agricultural deal, and we need someone on our investment committee or our board, we can find them. And what we quite often say is, if a company is saying they can't find any women, then they haven't spoken to us yet. And, and that is what we deliver as a business and, and really practically how we went about um, delivering on this, you know, this, this experience that we had of being in this room and just having yet another conversation. So we want to change that. Okay. Now, you know, some of our listeners may be listening in. They're probably small business owners. Um, I know the women in corporate will get this, but um, some of our listeners are entrepreneurs and they might be small business owners and they're thinking to themselves now, What's the significance of sitting on a board? Do I, you know, it's a far-fetched dream or even a far-fetched idea, um, not even a dream. Now, what is the significance of having women on boards? Um, I, I don't believe it's a far-fetched idea. Um, I think I think that is the myth that um, board leadership is some ideal that cannot be reached. And I, the reason why we exist is to provide women the tools and the resources and open up their networks in order so that they can be, um, they can have the opportunity to sit on boards 
and to grow their presence as world leaders. So that's one. Um, for a woman coming from an SME or uh, a woman entrepreneur thinking about what do I do and why it is important to have a diverse board, well, research has shown that increasing diversity on boards is effectively a way of improving decision making. And this is not only because women are somewhat super women and we come in and we kind of change the whole dynamic. It's really about a collective decision making that is diverse and one that brings in different points of view. Mm-hmm. And that whole process encourages uh, quality of decision making and it dispels every other attempt at um, kind of going into silos and making decisions as group of people who think alike. So that's effectively what um, diversity does. Now, there is obviously a need of, as a continent where, I mean, close to 50% or even more in some regards are women. It goes without saying that if you're going to have a consumer-based um, company or you're looking at serving a wide range of customers, that majority, in some cases, or at least half of your customer base will be women. So how are you effectively selling uh, your products or your resources and and whatever solutions you have to this population of diverse people if you're not considering the views of a great majority of those stakeholders? So we come from a perspective of, yes, it's great to consider um, gender diversity the way that we think but more importantly um, we believe that it encourages good decisions uh, decision making at the uh, corporate level and organizational level and by doing so we hope that we can be impactful in the development agenda of the continent okay now as it stands why aren't there a lot of women on boards because i remember doing some research on listed companies and um, their board members. And I actually realized that there weren't a lot of women on the boards. Why is that? I think um, yeah. I think it's a really interesting um, multi-dimensional question. Um, there are quite often not women on boards because organizations perhaps aren't prioritizing this. So there's some research that shows that about a quarter of African organizations rank gender diversity as unimportant. So if the senior executive of a business aren't prioritizing this and 86% of people on boards across Africa are men, then we're going to end up with a status quo. And I think Marcia has mentioned a lot of the, the, the hard evidence to show that company performance improves when you've got board diversity. So for example, a recent McKinsey study says that if you've got 25% of women on your board, your EBIT margin, your profitability essentially is is 20% better. And so if companies and CEOs sort of start to think about, wow, this isn't just something good to do, it's not just a women's issue, it's a performance issue, it's an issue for everybody, you can start to transform that. But these things aren't changing and it's not just an African challenge. It's a, it's a global challenge. The, the UK government have got a review into this topic called the Hampton Alexander Review. And 
they interviewed CEOs and chairs of um, listed businesses in the UK. And some of these chairs, through a government inquiry essentially, said things like, I don't think women fit comfortably in a boardroom. So there's everything. Tamsin? It's an unconscious biases that exist. Yeah, and just, just to add to that as well, I think, um, you know, in terms of the actual barriers, I mean, Tamsin named one that this recent report from the UK was very revealing. But for us, it was no surprise because we were dealing with these issues on a daily basis. But it really goes to the heart of how society feels and how leaders in general feel about the value women bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And it's also about changing the narrative and changing the way these leaders think about what values women bring. So there's a concept also called the, the glass cliff. Um, and, and it's different from in that the glass cliff is effectively a group of researchers that came together to look at um, the fact that it seemed on paper that women who were running top corporations, this was a UK study, top corporations seemed mm -hmm. to be performing worse in those roles. Oh, wow. But then the group of researchers looked at the detail of that research because um, sometimes you have to go to the surface to understand what's really happening. And what they discovered was, in fact, these women, um, for the most part, were only invited to lead these organizations when these organizations were already in trouble. Okay. So what we find is that there's a understanding of what women bring to the table. And so we are seen more as, you know, we can come in to kind of solve the problems that have been left over um, as opposed to really being considered in the beginning mm. as leaders in our own right who can run any company, whether it's a failed company or not. So so there, there are quite a ton of issues that, um, you know, as Tamsin said, but a, a real, um, a great challenge for us is being able to break those stereotypes and being able to break those biases about what a woman leader is. Okay. And I know that at the Boardroom Africa, you you enroll people in into into this now what training do you do you, do you give to women on the boards and um seeing that i i saw on the website that you know you require some level of experience now what training do they need other than the experience or being in the corporate industry for some time that you give them so we we think that women and men need to understand their roles in the boardroom. So training is not a unique thing that women need to undertake that men don't. I think everybody needs to kind of think through where they are in their journey. And being on a board is a responsibility. It's a responsibility to be a strategic um, vision, visionary leader um, for an organization and, and not to sit in a seat. So that that's where we come from with training. One of the reasons why we care, we care about this because it's much more difficult for a woman who hasn't had a board seat to get a board seat than it is for a man. And so for us, it's a lot about what is it going to take to get these extraordinary women over the line. At the boardroom, we we have women who are the top tiers, chairing their businesses and so forth, right through to women who have 10 years of industry experience, 
and are in a senior role and don't have any board experience. And the reason why we do that is because we're not just interested in recycling the same women. We're interested in those women saying, I didn't think this was for me and now I realize I can achieve this. I can move through this process. So our, our network really does encapsulate that and it's those women who are starting out on their journey. We want to make sure that they're, they're well-trained. So we have an accredited program called Open Doors, which helps women to understand what are their governance responsibilities, what are their marketing and other and finance and so forth responsibilities on the board and how do they sit at that table with confidence. Um, and a big and a big part of that is to make sure that not just that, that training is there, but also bringing women together as a group. So taking women who perhaps aren't well networked in the board space and bringing them together and making sure that we're all in this together as a collective. Um, just want to make a comment on something I mentioned earlier about the challenges. We see a lot of men who are actually the opposite of a challenge. Mm-hmm. They're huge advocates and we couldn't do what we do without these men and women, but there are some extraordinary men. I don't want men listening to think, wow, this is a woman. <laughs> Fundamentally, not, not just one for women. And so we have these extraordinary men who we asked, asked to be endorsers. And they um, they help us because people, when they're putting someone on their board, they want to know they can trust them. It's a very strategic role. And so if, if a woman isn't already in that network, they get endorsed into our network through these trusted third parties who can okay. be endorsers for them. Mm-hmm. And so in addition to this training, we're also making sure that new women are coming into this, this board-ready network that everyone can see and understand and access. Mm. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if I'm still connected because I, I can't hear anything. But um, my time is starting to run out now. I just need um, you guys to tell me quickly what more can um, can be done to ensure that there are more women or female representation in boardrooms and in higher offices in the corporate world? Yeah. Well, um, I, so from my understanding, I think it's it's vitally important especially on the african continent that we understand the value of gathering data around this issue because as on one hand we do realize it's a problem because we we know that through data we've been able to gather some uh top level information about what's happening but more information about how these uh, relationships are cultivated how women feel in general about leadership, how men feel about their own space within that leadership within that leadership arena is, is critical for us being able to move the needle. Secondly, I think it's, it's vitally important that um, more awareness is built around the value of diversity and not just for diversity to be seen as some feel-good, um, element that uh, a company can just implement as part of their diversity initiative within their corporate setting, but something that's really backed by real concrete decision-making that moves the needle from one level to the other. So it's important that the organizations realize this. It's important that leaders believe uh, because on one hand, yes, you can you can talk about the issue of diversity and you can talk about the value of 
um, you know, gender diversity in leadership. But on the other hand, are we really getting the point across to leaders that this is critical for um, enhancing their business performance? And so really that's where the gap is. Okay. And that more work needs to be done on the awareness building, mm. more work needs to be done on gathering data, especially on the continent, because if you go to Europe or mm. US or other areas on the globe, you, you tend to have more information about um, the issues and more um, research being done in this area. Yeah, that's um, on the continent, there's still a dearth of information, and I think this this is really critical okay. if we are to understand where we are and where we need to go. Okay, that's that's one important. quick point. Yes, oh, sorry. one quick point for me. In addition to the research, I think it's it's we it should be stated that it is challenging to get into these roles, and there are barriers. And Marcy has spoken to them, but I would also encourage women who are interested in moving into board roles to get in touch with us, to realize that there is a network of extraordinary women and who are there really to support that journey and to give them profile and mm. give them access. How do they get in touch with you? They can go to our website and they, all of our contact details are there. They can, um, Master and I are spend our life talking to amazing women. It is a huge privilege and it would be wonderful to speak to to more women who are interested in getting into boardrooms across the continent. Okay. That's amazing. Um, so, guys, if you want to get in touch um, with these amazing ladies or find out more about what they do, um, you can go to theboardroomafrica.com or you can just Google The Boardroom Africa. Um, they pop up first, actually. So that is amazing. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me. Unfortunately, my time has run out. I had so many more questions to ask you and so many more things oh. to talk about. But I hope um, I could talk to you more some other time and, you know, check on the progress of this. And hopefully more people will join the Boardroom Africa. So, guys, now I have to get into the last segment of today's show, Tech and Trends. And I'm going to talk about countries where it, it's much easier for you to connect to the, yeah, to the Internet and countries um, that have opened up the Internet world for everyone. Now, the first one is Johannesburg, South Africa, well, city and country, I guess. Um, South Africa has one of the largest and most developed telecommunications industries in Africa, but the data is also so expensive. I just need to say this. Sure, it's expensive. And then Nairobi, Kenya. Kenya is leading, blazing forward when it comes to technology. And Kigali, Rwanda, it's an amazing tech hub. We have Accra, Ghana, Kampala, Uganda, Lagos, Nigeria, Cairo, Egypt, Casablanca, Morocco, Dakar, Senegal, and Abidjan, Cote d'Ivoire. I hope you guys um, got all that. If you missed the show, if you caught it like when it's at the end, don't worry. Our podcast is going to be up in the next 48 hours. And I'm giving the person who has to put the podcast up the eye because I need this to be up. in. Four- <laughs> He's just laughing, but I'm serious, guys. 48 hours, your podcast will be up. You just go to Africa Radio, um, africabusinessradio.com and it will be right there. We had an amazing show and guys, we talked about knowing policy and the balance between government and business people, why we need to know what's going on in politics. We spoke about opportunities, um, businesses that are making it easier for women to do business in Africa. And we had 
Tamson Jones and Marcia Ashang joining us on the phone, talking about putting more women in the boardrooms across Africa, across the world, helping women um, get there. And then a round of countries that are technologically advanced. Listen in next week, same time, 3 to 4 CAT on Africa Business Radio. The show is EJ Africa. Your host is Kutzai. I hope to have so much fun with you again next Wednesday. Enjoy the rest of your day, morning, evening, whatever it is. Be blessed. Can I afford to compromise these feelings inside my mind?